0: She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates it is significant that the book of proverbs ends with the description of a virtuous mother throughout the book especially in the first 10 chapters wisdom is pictured as a woman and the young man is encouraged to marry himself to her but more literally the young man is repeatedly told that his choice of a wife will be a determined influence on his life and career If he finds a good woman and focuses his affections on her alone, he will find security, abundance, satisfaction, any other course is folly. We see here that such a woman is trustworthy in verse 11 through 12. Industrious, verse 13 through 15. Resourceful, verse 16 through 19. Compassionate, verse 20. Prudent, verse 21 through 24. And well-spoken verse 26. All these are expression of her obedience to God. As the book opened with a call to those who are wise to fear the Lord, it closes with this beautiful description of the wise woman who also fears the Lord. Henry Ford, when asked on his 50th wedding anniversary to give the formula for a successful married life, He said, I will give you the same formula that made my automobile industry successful. Stay with the same model. (laughs) Lyndon Baines Johnson said, I've learned that there are only two ways to keep your wife happy. First, let her think she's having her way. And second, let her have her way. And all the ladies said, (laughs) let's pray. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit into this room. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring restoration to the families, to the mothers, to the husbands, to the children. Father, I pray that you would let us hear this message and may the congregation hear it to bless and encourage every mother and every woman, every father and the children. In Jesus' name we pray. The portrait of a mother and the mother is the successful woman is found in Proverbs 31. But let me just say this for all the mothers in here that have read that. Proverbs 31, you have to understand that this is an overview of a thousand women that Solomon had. So don't think that you have to have every one of those characteristics. I just want to release you from that guilt trip right now. (laughs) When the artist of Proverbs 31 lifts his brush to paint the portrait that would embody the ideal woman, he painted that face, the face of a mother. It says her children stand and bless her. Sacred Scripture does not mention her physical beauty. The Bible doesn't mention her grace or her physical form. The Bible says nothing about her dancing skills or prominence in society. The Bible mentions nothing about the women's clubs that she was associated with. One one woman belonged to so many clubs that when she died, they carved on her tombstone. She was clubbed to death. (laughs) In the Scripture, God takes the time to mention that she was a mother if the secular humanists of the 21st century took the brush to paint the modern, the modern version of a woman, it would be as a cigarette dangling from her lips and smoke twirling out of her nostrils in language that would make a sailor brush. Her breath would smell like a brewery. Her allegiance is to her career and her children, her latchkey children, and there is absolutely no hesitation to abort the child in an abortion mill. Women can render many services to humanity, but their their highest and their best feel, in God's opinion, is that of a mother. When she holds the next generation to her chest and she rocks it to sleep in her arms at night, she puts her fingerprints on that generation for time and eternity for her son will pass it to his son and to the next son and for the next generation. And for generations they will be reciting the principles of virtue and honor and integrity instilled in them by their mother. She leaves her footprints in the sands of time. And what Abraham Lincoln said is absolutely true. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. When mothers instill in their children honor, honor, Honesty, morality, responsibility, integrity, truth, industry, and the virtue of hard work and a sense of honor and teaching them that the only place you find success before work is in the dictionary. America's future will be secure. But when we abandon those principles, America's future is no more. It's over. And I'm concerned about the future of America when a very high percentage of America's families do not look to God for their source of supply. They look to Washington from a sense of welfare so that they can be sustained by the God of state. Let me tell you something. The only God who can really help you in the time of need is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, what, he's the answer for your family right here. The portrait of an ideal woman in Proverbs, 33, or Proverbs 31 is not because she's a mother. It's because she's a successful mother. Giving birth does not make... You a successful mother. What you do after that child arrives determines your success. Not every mother is successful. They do not enrich the lives of their children. Some do not bless. They curse. By their abuse and lovelessness, by their neglect, they provoke provoke their children to wrath, and they leave their children unprotected and exposed to to a society that has become a moral madhouse. A few years ago, a pastor performed a funeral for a mother. And her two sons passed her casket and looked at her like she was a piece of stone. No emotion, no fear, not a sign of regret. They didn't stand there more than two seconds and then passed on. A few months later, the same pastor performed another funeral for a Hispanic housemaid. And those same two boys came to the casket, casket sobbing their hearts out. Their grief knew no limit. Their emotion was beyond description, and after the service, the pastor went up to them and asked them why. And they said, Pastor, the maid raised us, and our mother was interested in making money. She was interested in being a successful, a successful businesswoman. She was interested in her social profile, but this dear lady was the one who came to our bed at night. When she had a need, she was there. When we were hungry, she fed us. And when we came home from school, she was the one to greet us. She was the one who welcomed us every morning with hugs and kisses. She's the one that, that we loved. The point is simply this. One gave birth and the other was a successful mother. You are a mother who's leaving your children. Are you a mother who's leaving your children a godly legacy? Let me Let me read you a true story. Let me read you a true story about a mother. This is a chicken, chicken soup for a, a Christian soul. Let me read you a story that that has changed my life. And to me, this is a Proverbs 31 mother. In a panic, the mother reached for the phone. Soon her son was back in the hospital. This can't be happening again, she told herself. But tests showed his heart was beating 300 times a minute, nearly th- three times the normal rate. We didn't realize it before, but your son has tachycardia, the doctor told them. A nerve in his heart is misfiring, causing episodes of rapid heartbeat. Could it kill him, she blurted. Please say no, she begged silently. The doctor paused. His heart will become more and more damaged over time, he admitted. We could try to treat it with tranquilizers. The boy objected, said no. But I want to play football, he said. I want to ski. I want to hike. I want to fish and hunt. We'll take this one day at a time, she told him. But what if, this, what if his days run out and she wondered? The pills work, she vowed, they have to. But on the medication, he had only enough energy to get through school. With, with none left over to play sports, he had to skip a pill just to stay up to attend a game with friends. When he did, his mom would worry. What if he had an attack while crossing a street? What if next time they couldn't stop the attack? There must be something we can do, she cried to her husband. Desperately, they saw another cardiologist who suggested using a laser to sever the nerve that was misfiring. Maybe it's the cure we've been praying for. But when the doctor appeared in the waiting room, he was pale and shaken. Oh, God, no, she, she thought. His heart wasn't strong enough to withstand the procedure, the doctor began. We had to stop. We'll try again, she said. You need to try again. But the next attempt failed, too. We can try once more, the doctor suggested, but her son wouldn't hear of it. He said, no, no more surgery, he cried. And so the mother. She cried out in despair and looked at him and she cried out to God and said, look, Lord, he's lost thirty five pounds. He's so thin and tired. He's had enough of the pain and frustration, but, oh, I don't want to lose him. And over the next few months, she was was alone with her son, much of the time as her husband had to travel for his job. She watched helplessly as her son became more and more withdrawn from friends, from family. He stopped calling his friends. He broke up with his girlfriend and announced he was dropping out of school. I have no future, Mom, he told his mother. She heard his unspoken message. Why plan for anything if I'm just going to die young? Her son stubbornly refused to consider another operation. She understood, but asked herself, wouldn't it be better to try again, son, than to live in a haze of medication or constant fear? Dear God, she prayed, I don't know how to give him back his will to live. We've tried everything, and I just can't say goodbye to him this way. One day a crazy impulse seized her. We're getting out of here, son, she announced. A change of scenery might do us both good she thought. While in California, what have we got to lose, son? She, she said, we're going to get in the car and drive. And her son didn't ask why. Surprising her, he replied, mom, I've heard Montana is really beautiful. And she said, Montana? She opened her mouth to object. It was so far away, but, but there was a light in his eyes she hadn't seen for months, or was it years? So they drove through California, Nevada, Idaho. As they left the crowded freeways behind, entered Montana, he couldn't seem to get enough of his surroundings. The deer drinking from the clear stream, mountains stretching toward the sky, Every capti- everything captivated him. In the Bitterroot, Bitterroot Valley near Missoula, he asked suddenly, Mom, can we live here? And with her husband' job requiring so much travel, we could live anywhere, she thought. And if it makes our son have peace, Soon the family was living atop a mountain rim that overlooked rivers. He said he wanted to fish near trails. He said he wanted to hike near towns where people stopped and said hello. I'm going to climb that mountain, he said one day, gazing upward. And then he turned to her. One more operation, he said. Mom, he was meant to live here, she thought. and (coughs) And he will. This time after surgery, as he came out of the anesthesia, his parents could tell him, now... You can hike that mountain. The procedure had worked. Once he thought that he had no tomorrows, his mother said, now he wants to build his own house. She turns her eyes to the setting sun. It splashes the sky with color. I used to think God in heaven. Now I think, now I think he lives in Montana. That story that I just read to you, that was my mother. And the boy was me. And my mother, she was the when I was growing up she was the pillar that held me up she was the Joshua that held my arms up when I was too weak she encouraged me she brought so much encouragement when I wanted to give up there was two or three times that I told her I didn't want to live anymore I just wanted to just let the doctors stop doing operations and I told her I said I whatever happens happens just let it be but there was a drive in her, her prayers. She didn't stop praying for me. And she got on her knees at night and prayed and prayed. And I'm standing on this stage because my mother led me down that aisle. She led me down the aisle to receive the Lord Jesus Christ for his plan of redemption for my life. And if, and, and if it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't be standing up to here, up here right now. And I can say right now, honestly, between my mother and my wife, they're the heroes in my life they're the beam which strengthens me and holds me up. So what is it about Adam's rib? Rib in the Hebrew nearly always refers to a literal rib, but in 1 Kings 7:3, the Bible accurately describes it as beam, referring to pillars that held up Solomon's house. Now in Hebrew, now now in Hebrew, every word has at least two meanings, two meanings. And husbands may may be outstanding in every area of their life but their wives is the beam that holds them up she is the hit, hidden inward support without her support the husband would collapse and fall apart and all the ladies said <laughs> god's portrait of an ideal mother is in is a person thank you very much is a person of honor now listen husband if she's not honored by her husband his prayer life Is ineffective. Actually, it's non-existent. Listen to 1 Peter 3, 7. You husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Weaker here means that she is physically weaker. Don't get the idea that she's not as smart as you are. Some men's wives are leading them, and they just don't know it. Peter is saying here that women, you pray. Peter is saying that, that when you pray, men, and you have not been living with your wife in an understanding way, your prayer goes, goes up, it gets caught in a net and falls to the ground. Ineffective. Ineffective. Let's read Malachi verse 2, 13 through 16. I believe it will be on the screen. And this is the second thing you do. This is God saying this to the men. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. She does not regard the offering. and So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did, but, he, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of, of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with your wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So think about that. How did how did Jesus treat women? Because he's our example. First, he was a defender of women in Mark 14. When the women when the woman broke the alabaster box of costly perfume over Jesus Christ, she was attacked by other men saying, "You wasted it." And Jesus said, "Leave her alone. She has done what she could." And wherever the gospels preach, this woman's name is going to be mentioned. And he defended her in that time. In that time, it was a radical thing for him to do that, to defend that woman in front of those men. Second, Jesus confronted women, or he, co- he comforted women. In, in Luke 7, Jesus went to the city of Nain, and when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was, was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak and presented him to his mother. He restored her only son back to her. He was giving towards women. Thirdly, Jesus was forgiving towards women. In John 8, a woman was caught in the act of adultery by the Pharisees. It makes you wonder how the Pharisees caught her. Maybe standing in line. The law said, kill her. Jesus is the great physician who said, save her. He broke all the rules of the side of forgiveness. Look at the four women who are, who are, who are in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. There is Tamar. She is a childless widow who dressed like a prostitute to entice her father-in-law, Judah, to get her pregnant. She, and she was successful, by the way. And there was Rahab, the harlot, jo- in Joshua 2. There was Ruth, the Gentile, who was the grandmother of King David, who's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, a Gentile outside the covenants of Israel. Fourthly, there was, a, there was Bathsheba, who committed adultery with King David and gave birth to Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived. Anybody that had a thousand wives, I don't know how you could... Anyhow. He built God's temple in Jerusalem. He wrote the, the bulk of the Proverbs, and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Bathsheba is, the, is in the family tree of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ was holy and pure without spot and blemish... Was that forgiving? Was that loving? Was that comforting? And it was that much of a defender of women? Then husbands, we must do the same. The Lord commands that; as a, He commands that of us men. The jails are full of men, fathers who have beat their mothers, beat their wives physically and verbally. Their children become victims and becomes and become scarred and forgotten. God's message. To the men is to stop that violence. Yes. Living your life for yourself is the lowest form of leadership. Yes. Ephesians six four says, "And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admiration of the Lord." Mothers, fathers, who's training up our children? And who, who's training up our children in God's plan for their lives? The government, the schoolhouse, the gangs, the internet, video games. Every one of us in here right now, your life is like a blink of an eye. Just 10 short years ago, my wife and I married. We had children, but it has gone by in the blink of an eye. One minute you're a child, then a teenager, then an adult, then a mother, then a father, then a grandmother or a grandfather, and then life is over. So let me ask you, what will your life look like in 10 years? Will you inspire your children to follow you? Do they see Christ living on the inside of you? Are you more interested in leaving your children money and worldly possessions or a, or a legacy in, in Christ, strong and rooted? Parents, let your children see you pray, let your children see you lead by example. And let your children see you take a strong stand, a persistent stand in God's Word. If you don't take a stand for something, you won't stand for anything. And if not now, when? If not you, who? Who will? If you guys can, go ahead and roll that video. I want you to watch this video here for just a minute.
1: And I was a kid, about eight, nine years old. I lay down in the grass and with my body becomes the star and moon and all that, that was a good life. But today, my God, the life goes like a bullet, too fast. One day to another, it looked like one hour. But now since I've been older, different subject. What would you tell this new generation about life? To give love and respect. Not all day, every day, but at least twice a week to your mother and father, especially mother. I turned on the evening news, saw an old man being interviewed, turning a hundred and two. Asked him what's the secret to lie He looked up from his old pie. Laughter said all I could say is, Don't blink Just like that You're six years old And you take a nap And you wake up and you're 25 Then your high school sweetheart becomes your wife Don't blink just might miss your babies growing like mine did, turning into moms and dads. Next thing you know, you better have a 50 years is are in bed, and you pray praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friend, a hundred years goes faster than you think, so don't blink. I was glued to my TV when it looked like he looked at me and said Best start putting first things first Cause when your hourglass runs out of sand You can't rip it over and start again Take every breath God gives you for what it's worth Don't wait Just like that six years old and you take a nap and you wake up and you're 25 then your high school sweetheart becomes your wife don't blink you just might miss your babies growing like my dear turning into moms and dads next thing you know you better have a 50 years is there and there and you pray and god takes you instead Trust me, friend, a hundred years goes faster than you think. So don't blame So I've been trying to slow it down. I've been trying to take it in. And this here, today, gone, tomorrow world we're living. Just like that, you're six years old and you take a nap and you wake up and you're 25 and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife. Don't blame, you just might miss your babies growing like mine dear, Turning into moms and dads, next thing you know, you better have a 50 years of there in bed. Praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friend. A hundred years goes faster than you think. So don't blink. No.
0: of an eye, you will be hugging your children goodbye and sending them off to college to a first job or even start a family of their own. They'll bring along a few reminders of home on their way, new adventure, perhaps a favorite pillow or teddy bear. They will also take a firm understanding of how faith has made a difference in, in their life, in your life. It's easy for Christian parents to assume their beliefs have been successfully passed on to their children. If the kids attend church, participate in church youth activities, and read the Bible occasionally. All appears to be well. And these are certainly good signs. The greatest delusion is to suppose our children will be devout Christians simply because their parents have been. Have you asked your kids lately about what their faith means to them? Have you revealed specifically how Jesus has helped you through times of struggle and doubt? I urge you to talk with your children about him, to pray with your children, and make these special moments a family priority. And I suggest that those things be done today. With all of our heads bowed, and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today, maybe you don't know the Lord the way you know you want to know him, and you want to know Him. You want to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you, if you would just slip your hand up, we would pray with you. Maybe you're here and your family is like debris in a tornado. You just you don't speak to your mother or father anymore. Your, your children, you don't know where they're at. Maybe that's you here. And you need prayer. If that's you just please lift your hand up amen amen oh everybody to all the women in the house i just want to pray a special blessing over you before you leave to go out with your families may the lord bless you and keep you and may the lord make his face to shine upon you and may the lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace and may the Lord bless your going in go, your, your going in, and your coming out. May he bless everything you put your hands to because you were numbered among the righteous. May the blessings of God be upon you and your children and your children's children all the days of your life. Because God has said, I will bless them. May he open the windows of heaven and bless you this year beyond your capacity con- to contain it. Because he is God and you are his children And you have received the right hand of the blessing at the cross. Therefore, rejoice and be exceedingly glad you are blessed of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. And thank you for coming. If if the elders could come up here, please. If anybody needs prayer in any area of your life, healing, your children, anything at all, please feel free to come forward and we will pray with you. You have a blessed Mother's Day and have a great day.